Hey, I am really excited about being here today. I really, I'm so sorry Tim is sick, uh, but I count it a privilege to be able to come and share with you, okay? Uh, I don't know how many other people he called uh, Friday before he got to me, uh, but I'm glad those other seven or eight people couldn't make it, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be w with you. Uh, I will tell you, Tim called me on Friday, asked me could I come over, I said sure, I'll be glad to. And honestly, I got down on my knees and finished putting the tile floor in my bathroom that I was working on. But during that time, I thought about the joy I'm going to have to be with you. I really appreciate that. Tim's a good friend of mine. A lot of people don't know this, but because Tim won't tell you this, but uh, in, in the late 70s or 80, 81, I can't remember, uh, I was the preaching minister in a little small church in Chesapeake, Virginia, and I hired this little rookie kid by the name of Tim Turner. Man, who would have ever thought? Now, if you like Tim, say, you're, you're, we you're welcome. If you like Tim, you're certainly welcome. If you don't like him, I never met the guy. So please think about that. But it is a joy. I enjoy preaching. I did preach, or I worked at First Church and then became the senior minister. Uh, I was there about 30 years at, at, at First Church, a long, long, long time. I did retire about five and a half years ago. Now I preach at a church in Scranton every other week to about 10 to 12 to 14 people every Lord's Day. To what? That's Hyde County. That's Hyde County. That was the biggest building they could find that would hold five people or ten people. But, no, I enjoy doing that. They're special to me. And I enjoy going down there and be with them. By law, I have to tell you something, okay? I'm a spitter. So anybody, I think y'all are probably out of range, but I spit when I, the, the more the Holy Spirit gets in me, the more I spit, Okay? <laughs> And today's a very special day because this morning I broke off a temporary crown. Yeah, yeah. I stuck it back in there, but I bet that could make about the seventh row if things get really excited. But man, I'm, I'm so glad to be here and, and, and be with you uh, today. It's a great day. Every day is a good day. Today is the Lord's Day, and what a wonderful time. What a wonderful experience we have together today, if you really think about it. Man, I thank our Savior because he came up with this plan. It was his idea that Christian people could gather together, the bride of Christ could gather together and worship him and praise him, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. But today is a special day because we can uh, get together. I think you all would agree with Psalms 118. Today is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Boy, that's what I want to do. In today's situation, I want to do a little rejoicing somewhere, don't you? I want to go and be with people who are excited about what God is doing, even in these very, very tough times. I'm glad because I know one thing for sure. God is good. God is so good. You know, I, I know maybe theology, in the realms of theology, this might not be true, but I think it is. We're now a part of a church that's eternal. 
Because since Christ raised up from the dead, we're a part of a church that even the gates of hell can't knock down. So we're here to, we're here to keep on going. We have a little, little, little dip in the road or a big wonderful bump in the road or whatever when we die and we go into heaven. But we're, we're in this thing forever. If you're faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're obedient to him, if you join together with Christ, we're a part of something that's eternal. And I, and I really like that. We'll only meet for a little while, but then we'll go and be in, he with, in heaven forever and ever. But in these days, now I was born in 55. I, I know it's hard for beliefs that there was a 55 back there, but 1955. Things have changed a little bit since 1955. Things are a little bit difficult or hard today. I, I chose this particular sermon because of what's happened on Tuesday and what, what everybody's been thinking about. I, I, I hope that you've been praying about this matter that God will lead, that God will put us in the, help us to get into the right direction. But I'm, I'm a little concerned. That's why when I preach and I talk with people, anybody, no matter what their circumstances, I encourage them, keep your eyes on what is ahead. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes towards that day when we'll stand before him and worship and praise and all those wonderful things that hold us you know, so close to him because today is tough. So you keep your eyes ahead, don't you? You keep your eyes on things of God as a country and even as a church. These are tough times and we're having difficult days when we get up. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. We really are. We have fallen so far from where we're called to be as a country and maybe as a church. Maybe as a church. We are falling so far from where God has established us as a country and for some as a church. We are not the people that we need to be in the eyes of the Lord. I got some reasons. There's probably many, many, many reasons, but I do have some reasons. First of all, we're a little privileged and a little rich, and we're doing really good in some things. And when that happens, we take our eyes off God. We do. The story of the rich young ruler. He just couldn't give it away. He couldn't, he couldn't let it go. And so he said to Jesus, I can't be your disciple today. And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, a gate in the city of Jerusalem than is for a rich man, a privileged man, a man who has all the things going for him like we do today. It's harder for that camel to go through that gate than a rich man to go to heaven. Have you ever noticed? This camel's getting a little bigger. <laughs> and although theoretically, no, the, the, the gate is not getting smaller. Sometimes I, I, I think it is. Also, I, I don't know about you, but I... At my age, I see so much hatred in this world. So much meanness. I, I, you know, I enjoyed my 13 years in school. I did. I mean, 12 years in school. I did. <laughs> and my four years in college. I enjoyed that. But I don't ever remember shootings in schools. I don't remember that. 
I really don't remember somebody just going into a, a McDonald's and shooting the place. I, I, maybe it happened. I just don't remember it taking place. And the things that people march up and down the streets and, and, and just ride about. Let, let me tell you, one of the blessed, best things that God has done for us, it made us different. And diversity is great. It's fantastic. Honestly, would you like everybody in the world to look just like this? You wouldn't want that. It'd be hard to get up some days if you had to look at this all day long. Think, Alan, you, you know what I'm talking about here, right? I mean, you think about it. Really, hatred. Things people say, hatreds in neighborhoods, streets, hatred in government. Whoa, that really confuses me. That really confuses me. Third thing is so obvious. Satan is what First Peter says is on the prowl. And he's trying to destroy things. I, I'm not disagreeing with the, the scriptures. I don't think Satan's hiding anymore. I think he's out there on a full run taking down everybody who he can. That's the difference. When I was younger, he would hide in the corners and nobody could see him. And boom, he'd jump out. Right now, man, he's coming right on down the street, and we, we'll say, come on down. And we're kind of proud. Stop by my house and see me for a while. I'm a little scared. Is it possible for the country, is it possible for us to be restored in that way that God would want us to be? Or have we gone too far? I don't think so. I'm almost sure we haven't. It's time for the church. I know this is the honest truth. I finally thought about this about 10 years ago. As a, as a church, and I'm going to flop back and forth here. As a church, we get pretty proud about some of the things that we do in the name of Jesus. We, we like doing those things, and we say, man, isn't that good? But here goes the pro problem. The church is happy and content with doing the possible things. God didn't say for us to do the possible things. God wants us to do the impossible. Church leaders and people of this congregation, think about something out there that would be really good for the kingdom, would really bring people to the Lord, and, and, and make sure somebody says, well, it's not possible for us to do that. Oh, that's it. That's what we need to do, the impossible. That's what God is causing. Matthew 19, 11. And I had sent some really good notes over here for your bulletin, okay? They just didn't make it in time. I don't know. <laughs> Matthew 19, 11 says, Jesus looked at them and says, With man this is impossible. With God everything is possible. And it's time for the church to just simply be content with doing those things that are possible. Let's start doing the impossible. And that's what it's going to take. Man, there is a lot of organizations out doing some wonderful things. Things we ought to be a, proud, be a uh, part of and be proud. But not with the church. We should do the impossible. We should do the godly things. It's time for us to stop uh, not allowing hatred and, and disruption on our streets. It's, it's time for us to not be looking totally after number one. It's time that we stop following after the father of the lies of lies, but uh, searching out and following God. The question I want to look at this morning is a, a really good question. 
Is it possible even in these days for God to set up a table of blessings for our country and for the church today? Or have we gone too far? No. Is the ta- You're not supposed to answer that question. I'm going to talk about all that, okay? No, God's just starting. God's going to do some great things. Psalm 78, lengthy scripture. I got to look at this. It's a well-known time in the Israelite nation. They're in the wilderness and they're discussing their situation. If you read into chapter 78, it says the people were unfaithful. They were stubborn. They were, didn't love God. They weren't loyal they were not, uh, uh, they sinned against him. They started demanding things of God. Things are getting pretty bad in the wilderness. And somebody in a group yelled out probably this question. Hey, are we even at a point or past that point that God can possibly spread a table, spread blessings out to us today? Isn't it already past that point? Well, the writer of Psalms is talking about some very, very bad times. It was a time of complaining. It was a time that they felt like they had failed. They couldn't go forward. It was a time that they thought God was no longer looking at them. It was actually at a time that they were no longer looking at God. It lasted 40 years, that time in the desert. It was a scary time. There was, no, there was nothing in the desert that really welcomes you. There's nothing in the wilderness that makes it easy. It's barren. It's sandy and hot in the daytime. It's cold at night. If you would go out there uh, unprepared, if you don't have food, if you don't have water, if you don't have heat, if you don't have light, you're in a lot of trouble. And the Bible uh, paints us this picture. It was a terrible, terrible place. God let them out there. And that's when they ask, hey, did God abandon us? Can he possibly make a table in this wilderness? And you listen close. The answer in their mind was, no, he can't. I mean, look what he's done. He raised up uh, this guy and Moses and he carried us out into the desert. There's probably four million of us. Ain't possible for him to do this. Why did Moses do this? And here goes, they even got to a point. Why did Moses even point us to this guy, God? Why did God do this for to us? The job is just getting too big. He's just not that great of God anymore. And the truth of the matter is, and you listen very closely, God couldn't do the job that they were asking for because he would not do the job they wanted him to do. Wow. Think about that. You know this, sometimes what you want God to do, he doesn't do it because he didn't want you to, he didn't want you to do those, have those things. It wouldn't be good for you. We have a certain idea of what God is supposed to do with us. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? A couple of really, well, the really big reason is found earlier in verse 11 of 78. They've forgotten what God had done for them. They forgot. They forgot how, what God did through Moses and the ten plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea and the, 
before that, the, the death angel passing over. And if you're covered by the blood, you are saved. They forgot all those things. If I can, let me just read a little bit of the same thing I've been saying. Psalms 78, 13. He divided the sea and led them through. He made water stand up like a, a, a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and a light at fire by night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the sea. Brought streams out of the rocky crags and made water flow down from the rivers. But they continued, this is a bad one. They continued to sin against God. Rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. And willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. And they spoke and God really spread a table in the wilderness. Is it even possible for them? They, they come to that conclusion, I, we missed the good old days in Egypt. We missed the good times where we, oh, we were working hard and we were slaves, but boy, wasn't it better than that? I want to tell you something about the wilderness. The wilderness is a lonely place. I'm talking about those times where you feel like that you're alone because of your problems. Now, you probably have good people who surround you. You probably have family members who love you and people who love you. This church loves you. But sometimes in life, things can get a little over, uh, overwhelming. Sometimes you might feel abandoned. You might feel forgotten. Wilderness is a tough place. Have you ever had to sit at home and wait for a pathological test to be called back into you? That's a hard place. That's a difficult place. About 14 or 15 years ago, uh, I'd gone to the doctor and he sat me down and said, he was a good Christian man, he knew I was a Christian man, he said, Steve, you've got about a year to live. <laughs> I felt like somebody picked me up and threw me right in the middle of the wilderness. He said, you're going to be sent out to Duke or some other school. He, he didn't say Carolina, which bothered me, but he said to Duke. <laughs> he said, you'll go through chemo, you, you'll go through radiation, but Steve, you're not going to make it. I, re I bet it was you. At First Church, that, went, that was a Monday, at First Church on that Wednesday, I taught my class, and I was getting ready to, as I always do, and it always ends up the same. Nobody ever wants to say anything. But I said, does anybody want to say anything as we close out tonight? You, Tony, and you. Tony said, uh, if anybody wants to come up here and pray for Steve and Sherry, you just come on up. And boom, boom, Alan jumped right up. And so we were standing there, and all of a sudden, the front row em emptied out in the second and the third and the fourth row emptied out, and my whole class surrounded me. And they prayed for me. They prayed for me. And you know something? The desert was still hard, but it wasn't half as hard as it was. I mean, guess what? Never went through chemo, never went through radiation. I got a pretty little scar on the back that if I didn't have a coat on, I'd show you. Uh, just dug it out. I had, at that time, they said stage three melanoma. And I was going to die. I bet there's people in this room who's waited for that phone call for, for your pathologist to call, your doctor to call you. Anybody here been in a situation where, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills.
You been to the grocery store lately? We drove over here. Diesel was five, what was it? 49. Five, four. This was a great time for me to own a 354 diesel truck. <laughs> you ever tried to start building on your dreams and they've shattered? Parents, you ever sat in a corner of the room and worried about your kids? That can be a desert place sometimes, isn't it? Have you ever been to a place where it was, it's hard to forgive somebody else for something they've done that wasn't justified or was justified, didn't make any difference? But we're called to forgive people. Have you ever been to a place that you couldn't forgive them? Have you ever been to a place, and I bet there's one people here, person here right now who can't forgive yourself for something you've done? Deserts are tough, aren't they? Deserts can be a lonely, lonely place. Deserts can also, and this is a strange thing I learned from this verse, the desert, and listen, the desert is also a necessary place. As Israel you know, started complaining, God, can you even set up a table here? We, we need a banquet table in, this, in the desert. Can you possibly do that? I never really thought of it about this way, but I think it was vital that the people spent time in the wilderness before they got to the promised land because they, they would not have made it in the promised land if they hadn't taken that time to grow and mature and lean more on God. Think about that. They wouldn't have made it. They had to learn to trust, learn to grow closer to the Lord. I, I'm going to tell you, let, somebody, let a doctor tell you you're going to die in a year. And one, I, I'm going to tell you this truth, all problems. This is the absolute truth. I don't, I, don't know if, I don't know how I heard this, but when you face something like that, when you face a desert in your life, one of two things is going to happen every time. It's either going to draw you closer to God or it's going to push you farther away from him, but you get to choose which one. Isn't that true? You get to choose if you're going to let it, let it be, drawn, let, you're going to be drawn closer to God or away from God. And for them, the desert was this place to grow spiritually and trust God more and more. When they walked into the promised land, man, they walked with their heads up high and their arms reached up high, praising the Lord for what he had done. Where's your wilderness? Is it a loss of a mom or dad? I've been with people who's lost their children. I sat with a lady, this is true, in a six-month period of time. She lost her father, her husband, and her son, 16-year-old son, all within six months. I never thought I could look at a person I thought would just stop breathing because she hurt so very much. How about a desert here in the desert? Are you feeling so, so, uh, so tough that maybe you're a single parent? And you can't do it on your own. Let me tell you, you can't. You can't do it on your own. Maybe just single in itself, and that's a very tough thing to be. You can't do it by yourself. Maybe you have some unpleasant person who you work with. How can I get up tomorrow and go to work and, and still feel okay? You can if you're trying to do it by yourself. Do you see the point I'm trying to make? 
any tough situation, if you try to do it by yourself, then you're going to be in trouble. And I'll tell you another secret. You know how God does his best work? or the only, really does, He can change things the inside just like this, okay? But he, but he does it through the church. When some guy, somebody's dealing with the loss of a mom and a dad or, 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 or a child... There's not a lot we can do there, but we can do one thing. We can be with them. Our dear friend Ray West lost his 16-year-old daughter in a boating accident. And you don't, you don't think there's a time you don't know what to say to somebody. And Ray said this to me. Steve, you don't have to say a thing. Just be here with me. In church, God uses his people to minister to other people and help them grow. Wilderness is lonely. It's, it's a necessary place. Last very quickly. I'm glad to tell you something. Wilderness is a temporary place. It doesn't last but so long. Do y'all know it's November already? It's 2022? Boy, time is going by quickly. And I know there's those days when you're in the wilderness and it really slows down, but something, you know something? It too will pass. The wilderness is a temporary place. If you remember anything I said today, remember this next line. I'm going to say it twice for you guys who are slow, okay? So just hang in here, okay? Don't catch it the first time, you're going to catch it the second time, okay? It is far better to be in the wilderness with Jesus than to live in a fancy penthouse without him. Now, you guys who are fast, you caught that. You guys who are slow, listen again, okay? It is far better to be in the wilderness with Jesus than to live in the house of a fa- in a fancy penthouse without him. Boy, that is so true. See, life isn't about my dreams, my agenda, my hopes, my ideas, my plans. It is about God's dreams, God's agenda, God's hopes, God's ideas, God's plan. And can God set up a table, this banquet table, for you and I today? Yes, he can. Yes, he will. I got to thinking about this thing. There's got to be more to this. There's nothing better for a family to get together and sit around a kitchen table. Thank goodness I was brought in a generation, and I know it's hard to believe, but my family actually ate meals together. We, we really did. And we shared our experiences together. What is Psalms 23? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Although it's figuratively not here, or literally not here today, God, God has called us to meet around his table every week. Do you think that was by accident? No. He wants us to share in that wonderful table that's waiting for us. Not only here, but in to come. Just think of that first meal we have in heaven. I, I tell people this. If I leave before you do, if I die before you do... I ain't going to be standing at the gate waiting for you. I'm running on in. I'm going to be in the guy that's at the front line and that thing because I'm going to go ahead and be inside because I want to feast at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ.
he'll allow that to take place for us. Very fortunate. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, Sherry's dad was my preacher, Homer Steins. Uh, my mom and dad, wonderful Christian people. My, my dad was my best friend. He, he, he really was. Uh, dad, and then uh, a few years ago, uh, we moved my mom and dad to an apartment right beside my house just so I could spend the last years with him and we could take care of him. <laughs> dad was just amazing. One Christmas many years ago, my dad said, Steve, let me tell you what I'm getting you for your Christmas present. And I said, Dad, wait, I don't, I don't want to know. But I want to tell you, Dad, I don't want to know. Wait. He said, I got to tell you. Okay, go ahead. I got you a cemetery plot. <laughs> okay, uh, well, a cemetery plot, that's nice. It's a gift that keeps on giving and all that. But... Uh, he did. He bought Sherry and my brother and his wife and my mom and dad a cemetery plot. And for years, we'd go out there. And Dad, every time, every time I'd come home to Lisp City, Dad said, let's go to the cemetery plot. When he moved here and I had to go to Lisp City, let's go by the cemetery plot. He loved going by that cemetery plot. You know why? It was empty. <laughs> it was empty. But in about 2016, my mother suffer we think from bipolarism and I mean uh, it was very tough boy my mother loved me with all her heart but in, when she clicked over to the other side she'd say some mean things and I need for God God had to help me in that wilderness but, but dad dad was just a tremendous guy he really did and, sh and sure enough in about 2016 we had to put mother, my mother in a, a home when when a sheriff picks up your mama and takes her away forever, that's hard. It really is hard. Shortly after that, my father suffered a heart attack. and uh, uh, They told my dad, my brother, he's got uh, three days, three weeks, or three months. That's no more than that. No surgeries, nothing like that. So I sat down with my dad, and I said, and he made the decision, just we're going to just ride it out and see where God, God, uh, my dad was a great Christian man. And God said, uh, my dad said three things. Steve, I want three things. I really do want three things before I die. Okay, dad, what do you want? He said, I do want to be with your mother. And so we had him taken over to the same nursing home as my mother he said I don't want to be in any pain and I said dad they can do some incredible things now we'll, we'll keep you from being in pain as much as we can so dad don't worry about that what's the third thing Steve I want salt see as a heart patient he wasn't allowed any salt and so he said I want salt so we got him two salt shakers and stuck them in his pocket. And it didn't matter what it was. My dad was going to put salt on it. Toothpaste, mouthwash, anything. My dad was going to put salt in it. Now, that's just the way he is. And he died September 31st of, uh, no, excuse me, August 31st, year 2016. Bad year, right? It was tough. I preached part of my dad's funeral. But I want to tell you what would have been a worse year if Jesus wasn't there. 
if Jesus wasn't part of the story. I walked away from that grave not worried one bit about my dad because he was with Jesus. My dad, like me, liked to eat. And so I, I kind of bet my dad is holding a place for me at the banquet table. But one day, my dad and I are going to eat together. And that's going to be okay. Even in today, even Monday, Tuesday coming along, no matter what comes our way, God is still in control. And not only can we not just survive, but we can still feast on the goodness of God because God is great. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father God, I come before you and I thank you, Lord, for the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. And Father, I'm so thankful that we just don't have to settle here, but that we can feast in your goodness and in your greatness. Father, I just pray that everybody would take just a second and say, is Jesus a part of my story? That if I would die right now, this afternoon, this evening, would it be a good day because Jesus is there? I know it's a tough day for people who love us. I know it's a tough day for even those, Father, who don't know him to close our eyes and st our breath stops and we're there alone. But that's a choice we make. So I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here that needs to make a decision on this day, that wants to feast, wants to feast at that table, and wants to be with Jesus, and have Jesus a part, a Jesus a part of our, our life, who is even today, even though we're in the desert, is so much better being in the desert with Jesus than in some fancy penthouse. So bless us, let your spirit move among us this hour. And we pray this prayer in his name.